Hello there. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Strange Days. And we are currently learning from Jesus on the subject of prayer in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 13. And I thought I'd just say that our hope with this podcast as a whole is not that we would have some more content to consume or have another Bible study, but that in many ways this podcast helps to reshape our lives and our rhythms. That's the big idea. So the majority of this podcast is helping us to put into practice the way of Jesus. And so please, as you listen to each episode, uh, carve out some time to put into practice what you are learning. And let's keep uh, building upon what we are talking through brick by brick and rebuild and reshape our lives during the corona pandemic. Okay, let's read uh, Luke 11, 1 to 4 again, and then we'll pick up from there um, where we left off yesterday. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. So yesterday we uh, spoke of Jesus as our teacher. He's the Lord who we're wanting to learn from. And today we're going to start learning from him and uh, we're going to start unpacking his answer to the request of his disciple to to be taught to pray. And uh, I thought it was quickly worth mentioning that as you've heard this prayer read out loud in the last two days now, you might think it sounds a little bit different to how you thought it sounded. And that's because the Lord's Prayer, as it's known, is found both in Luke here, but also in Matthew 6 during the Sermon on the Mount. And that version, whilst probably still a summary, is a longer version than this. That's probably the more well-known one. Um, Now, Matthew had already written his gospel by the time Luke was writing. So he includes here a sort of succinct summary. And I'll occasionally refer to some of the additions in Matthew, but largely we'll just stick to Luke. Although I wanted to also say, FYI, some of you might then read both Matthew and Luke's versions and say that the ending of the prayer that you know isn't in either of them either, and you're trying to figure that out, and you're used to the ending of the Lord's Prayer sounding something like, yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever, amen. And essentially, the early church took some verses from the book of Chronicles, and they attached those onto the end of the prayer in Matthew for their corporate worship. Now, there's no problem with with doing that. It's a great ending to a prayer, but just if in case you're curious, I just wanted to get that out there. So Jesus assumes that we will pray. He assumes this is going to be something that his followers are doing. He says, when you pray, as opposed to if you pray, or if you ever feel like praying. Um, And the Greek word here, hotan, I got this from John Piper, is more like whenever you pray, as opposed to when. There's a continualness to it. Um, And so our our prayers should always sound like what Jesus is about to teach. Um, When you pray, whenever you pray, Say, Father, that's what Jesus starts with. And we're actually going to stop right there today because this is so important. Michael Eaton says, we must begin by fixing our attention on God. We must begin with realizing who we are praying to. Listen to the words of Matthew Henry talking about directing our prayers to God. He says, give him his titles as you do when you direct to a person of honor. Address yourself to him as the great Jehovah, God over all. Blessed forevermore, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. 
Address him as the Lord God, gracious and merciful. Let your hearts and mouths be filled with holy adoring and admirings of him. And fasten upon those titles of his, which are proper to strike a holy awe of him upon your minds, that you may worship him with reverence and godly fear. Direct your prayers to him as the God of glory, with whom is terrible majesty and whose greatness is unsearchable, that you may not dare to trifle with him or to, to mock him in what you say to him. But take notice of your relation to him as his children, and let not that be overlooked and lost in your awe-stricken adoration of his glories. Christ has both by his precepts and by his pattern taught us to address ourselves to God as our Father. And the spirit of adoption teaches us to cry, Abba, Father. If God is not ashamed of this, let us not be afraid to own this relationship. So we should seek to address God and say quite verbally when we pray, Father or Dad. And this can't be overstated. Mark Driscoll advises that if you want to grow in prayer, don't focus on prayer. Focus on the Father. It's like learning to drive. If you want to learn to drive, you don't necessarily focus on the car and focus on the windshield. No, you, you, you focus on what's beyond, on, on what you're meant to be gazing at. And it's the same with prayer. We focus on the Father, not focus on prayer. And at this point in history, when Jesus was teaching this, um, it's good to know that God was not commonly called Father. Only 14 times in the Old Testament is God called Father. And it was always national and it wasn't personal. But Jesus on 60 occasions says, Father. This is actually one of the reasons Jesus was killed because the religious leaders believed it was blasphemy to be so intimate with God. But Jesus invites us to join him in calling God Father. Andrew Murray, the South African, said that the Son came to make his Father our Father too. The knowledge of God's fatherly love is first and highest. The power of prayer will root and grow in the fatherliness of God. So the more we know God as Father, the easier it's going to be to talk to our dad. Driscoll again has such good advice. He says, don't look to religious people to learn how to pray. Look at children with a father who adores them. And th that's it. That's the model. Jesus often told us to, to look at the little children and learn from him. You know, theirs is the kingdom. <clears throat> this is another great lesson that we can learn. Kids know how um, they have access to their dad. If their dad was the president, they know that they still have a priority in his heart over his advisors uh, that, that, you know, work with him daily. You know, there's something about looking at the relationship between, between a father and his kids that we need to learn from. If we're going to learn anything about prayer. And every good parent answers the requests of their children. And those answers are either yes, no, or, or later. And you can, you can imagine what, if you, if you just think of practical, real life between human parents and, and human children, what some of those answers could look like. Um, and there's more that can be said on that. But we must know that our Father is good and He knows what is best. And He hears and He answers every prayer. And we need to be secure in the Father's love. <clears throat> later on in verse 11 to 13, Jesus unpacks some of the certainty that he hopes to secure us in uh, when it comes to the word Father. But for now, let's just say that we must know that we'll be accepted. John Piper pleads with us to believe this when he says, We need not fear or think he will not care. This is crucial in prayer and worship. 
If you believe God is angry or stonewalling you, you cannot persist in prayer. You'll give up. But he is more inclined to give us what we need than the best earthly father. And so we must pray to and recognize that and live in the reality that God is our father. And then to put some steel in our spine to give us confidence. Remember that we can boldly enter the throne room of our father because of the blood of Jesus. And when we boldly come into the throne room, the throne of grace, into the presence of our Father, let's lastly note some of the things that we learn indirectly from Jesus in this prayer regarding our Father. If you, if you read through the prayer, uh, you'll learn a few things about our Father. <clears throat> our Father is holy. Our Father is a king. Our Father is generous. Our Father forgives sin. Our Father leads well. So I want to encourage us to, to look up. Let's, let's lift our eyes to our Father who's in heaven, as Matthew's version of the prayer tells us. Okay, Matthew's version says, Our Father who art in heaven. That's where he is. He dwells in heaven. <clears throat> That's where his manifest presence is. Matthew Henry reminds us to, to look up. Heaven is the, the control room of the universe. It's the seat of our Father's government. He doesn't live in temples that are made by human hands. Heaven's a a vantage point from where he can see all the children of men. It's a place of purity. It's the firmament of his power. So let's look up to our Father, like Jesus did when he he broke the bread to feed the 5,000. It says that he looked up to his Father and gave thanks. Let's look up to our Father, the King. It's to him that we address our prayers. And that's typically how we direct our prayers. It's to the Father, through Jesus Christ, our, our mediator and high priest, by the power of the Spirit. Father, help us know this more and more. Help us to be secure in the fact that we are adopted into your family. Let us be secure in your love as sons and daughters. Make our souls know that you'll never cast us out and that you're the perfect Father who never tires, never sleeps. You're always looking out for us. You're always protecting. You're always providing. Thank you that you are a wise father who knows just what we need and you're a father who delights to hear from your children father make us know that today as we continue to learn how to talk to you and continue to grow and how to have a relationship with you do this in our hearts father thank you amen